With spring just around the corner, young folks' thoughts turn to flights of fancy. Everyone else wonders whether it's time to retire. If you're in that second group, you've got to do some careful research before having a mimosa every morning. Here with some of the important questions, federal retirement planning expert Tammy Flanagan. And Tammy, they say there's no dumb questions, but you sure get some doozies when it comes to people with long federal careers, bright people, engaged people. Retirement seems to be a real stumper sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, Tom, I loved your introduction. Um, Retirement can be very confusing because it's something most people do only once or maybe twice if they retired from the military first, but it is full of different rules and regulations and little loopholes and um, little ideas that just sometimes are the key to, to making or breaking, you know, your, your financial security or your health care in retirement. So it, it's very important to understand some of the little intricacies that, that go along with retirement planning. And one of them that you list in the latest set of questions and answers that you've published is, should I drop my federal employee health benefits? FEHB account, and you're saying never, never, <laughs> never. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty. Um, that's one of the things. Like usually, I'll say usually or generally, but when it comes to federal health insurance, this is a benefit that federal employees, as long as they meet the qualifications of having had it for five years and being eligible to retire when they walk out the door, this is a benefit they can keep for the rest of their life. But if you drop it or cancel that coverage in retirement, it's a one-way ticket out. And it's something that you would most likely live to regret. So there are some cases where a federal retiree can suspend rather than cancel their health insurance because they might be someone who has military health care coverage and that combined with Medicare can be very adequate. Or it might be someone who uses a Medicare Advantage plan and they're going to use that instead of FEHB once they're over 65. And if that's the case, that's great. And if they're happy with it, they can continue that. But it's always good to have that federal plan in suspension. So if at some point in time you change your mind or the rules change, you can cancel that suspension and get your federal plan back. Really good ace to have in the hole. It's almost like keeping insurance for your insurance. That's right. It's insurance against losing your insurance. That's, that's a good way to put it. And Social Security is also the big stumper. You get a lot of questions about that also. Yeah, more so now than ever before. And I think it's because we have employees who are retiring now with pretty significant savings in the thrift plan or other retirement savings accounts. So that savings account gives you some flexibility when it comes time to file for Social Security. So whether you take it at age 62 or you wait until you're 70, that can be $1,000 a month or more difference in the value of that monthly check from Social Security. So if there's a way you can delay that application, that can make a pretty significant difference in the amount of your benefit. So that's the one thing that I get the most questions about from FERS retirees. When it comes to CSRS retirees, those who are retiring under the older federal system, Social Security doesn't have as much weight in their retirement planning because they haven't paid into it. So with the CSRS group, they're more concerned about qualifying possibly for spousal benefits or having worked that um, five years or 10 years after retirement where they do end up qualifying but yet their social security benefit is going to be impacted by their government pension from work where they didn't pay social security taxes. Sure. And related to that is this question from someone who says he's or she is 73 and still working. They want to work until they can't and they feel like they're getting double dipped by social security. 
It's wrong and unfair. That person must have a really horrible spouse to keep working forever. But what is it that uh, – what are they doing wrong there or right? Well, I think in, in that situation, that's someone who's, like you said, is still working You know, past when they could be drawing Social Security. Hopefully, they are drawing their Social Security benefit because once you're 66 years old or once you reach your full retirement age for Social Security, you can collect the benefit even if you're still working. And if you're over 70, there's really no reason to delay the application. So in some cases, I think there's just some misunderstandings about how the rules work and when you can claim the benefit and what the impact of that federal pension might be on that retirement benefit. So sometimes you just need a little further explanation or a little clarification of some of the rules so that you understand that you're not getting the short shrift because there are so many complications to the rules. Sure, you don't want to leave any money on the coffin. We're speaking with Tammy Mm -hmm. Flanagan, (laughs) Senior Benefits Director at the National Institute of Transition Planning. And the question comes up every year or every month, What's the best time of year? How do you time the retirement first day? And what are some of the common ins and outs of that question? Right. So, you know, what I've learned um, now that we have this new three-tier, I I call it new, it's been around since 1987, but the first system is actually a three-level benefit. So when we're talking about timing your retirement under FERS, you could be talking about starting three different checks. You have your FERS pension benefit or your defined benefit portion of your FERS retirement. And that's the one we always talk about, retire the end of the month or the end of the year to maximize those benefits. But at the same time, you have to think about turning on your Social Security retirement and your withdrawals from your TSP account. So you could actually stagger those benefits at three different dates. But the first one for most federal employees is to retire with that FERS basic benefit or their government pension. And with that one, especially under FERS, your benefit always begins to to accrue the first day of the month after you retire. So you'll normally notice a FERS employee, an employee covered by FERS, will retire on the last day of the month. So that way they get their salary for the whole month of leading up to their retirement date. And then the first of that next month becomes their initial retirement benefit. So if I retire, let's say March uh, 31st, then I'll be paid my salary through close of business March 31st, and my first retirement benefit will be for the month of April. But that won't be paid until May 1st because it's paid a month behind. All right. Some good advice there. And what about the idea of continuing or not continuing life insurance once you are entering retirement? Yeah, that's another area that employees get confused about because with life insurance, it's generally something federal employees have had since the day they started working. So all federal employees who have retirement coverage also automatically are enrolled in basic life insurance or basic FEGLI, as we call the government life insurance. And so you've paid into this program throughout your entire federal career. And here you are at retirement. You haven't got your money's worth. You're still alive. And so you wonder, should I keep this coverage going on into retirement? Should I reduce the amount of coverage I have? You know, what should I do? So I think the very first thing you should do at any age is to do a life insurance analysis. You know, if you were to die, what kind of financial impact is that going to have on who you leave behind? Because that's why we have life insurance. If you have young children, you want to make sure there's enough money left so they can live out their, you know, childhood and go to college and get married and all the things that they want to do and have enough money to support that. Or if you leave behind a spouse, you want to make sure that they can pay the mortgage or continue their lifestyle. So at at some point in time, you may not need 
the same amount of life insurance as you needed earlier in your career. So one way that retirees can save some money is to allow that life insurance to reduce in retirement. And it's going to be a lot less expensive than maintaining that full benefit. So that's something that really needs to be addressed at the time of retirement. And very quickly, what's the biggest mistake that you see people make most commonly? (laughs) Well, it depends on who it is. I think one of the most common errors, especially for a married couple, I'll I'll put it this way, is the um, idea of leaving a survivor benefit to your spouse. Because it's an expensive option, but at the same time, it's such a valuable benefit. So don't underestimate the value of that survivor benefit to your spouse because your opportunity to elect that is at retirement. If you waive it or if you don't provide it, you can't come back 10 years from now and add it back in. So really look at that carefully. Tammy Flanagan is Senior Benefits Director at the National Institute of Transition Planning. As always, thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Find a link to her Q&A and to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive anytime and on your device. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. <coughs> Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. It's in our nature.